podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted. Don't worry, Dave is back, but it makes more sense for me to host this one. So I will welcome Carl first, because me and Dave have to catch up on our league titles. How are you doing, Carl? Oh, I'm not too bad, thanks. Delighted to be uh, number two on the podcast out of three today. Well deserved, in my opinion. How it should be. I mean, you've got to be quiet for a couple of minutes now, because I've got to catch up with Dave, so shut up. Okay. <laughs> um, hello, David. How are you feeling uh, after COVID? I, I, I'm, I'm better. Not, not great, but better. Good, good, good. But as, as you listeners know, we started our season preview thing uh, the other day without Dave. So we do have to catch up with Dave about the big six from last season, or the top six, I should say. Um, so we'll go through this quite quickly because we don't want a two-hour pod. Um, so, Dave, where do you think Liverpool will finish? I think we'll finish second. Um, we lose Origi, we lose Sadio, we lose Taki. That's three sources of goals gone. We bring in Nunes, we bring in Carvalho. I think it's a big ask to ask both of them in their first season to make up the goals of three players, even though I think in the long run they will. Um, we bring in Calvin Ramsey. I do like that signing. Uh, I like this, the, the other sales we made, Nico Williams and Ben Davies. I think we've got good prices. But we haven't addressed our midfield at all, and that's a massive concern to me. Uh, you look at our midfield group and, I mean, after Fabinho and Thiago, it's a big drop-off to Naby, then a big drop-off to Henderson and Harvey Elliott, who are obviously going in different directions in their career. But Harvey is a kid, and I'm not relying on a kid. Then it's a drop-off again to Curtis and Ox, neither of whom I think are good enough to play for Liverpool this season on a regular basis for different reasons. And again, they're going in opposite directions in their career. And then it's a big drop off again to the corpse of James Milner. So for me, the midfield, which let us down last season, is going to let us down again this season. I wouldn't be reliant on the fitness of Jordan Henderson in back-to-back seasons, considering if we look at the eight seasons in which Jurgen Klopp has been Liverpool manager, in six of them, no, is it for seven of them? Seven seasons or either, whichever. 15, 16, he misses a chunk of the season. 16, 17, misses a chunk of the season. 17, 18, he's fit. 18, 19, he's fit. 19, 20, misses a chunk of the season. 20, 21, misses a chunk of the season. It's actually five of the eight seasons that Klopp has been manager. Henderson has missed a big chunk of the season. And it was awful last season. Absolutely awful, poor the season before. So I'm not reliant on him in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think we'll finish second. 
you party people. We both predicted first. <laughs> um, Man City then. I mean, if it's not first, you, you're still, still clearly delirious from COVID. No, it is first. It is first. I mean, they've, they've improved, in my view. Um, you, you look at the players that have left, and Fernandinho is a, is a blow uh, from an experience point of view, but Calvin Phillips is a massive upgrade on the Fernandinho they've had as a player from the last couple of years. Uh, they lose Gabriel Jesus, and again, it's a massive upgrade with Erling Haaland. Um, they sell Raheem Sterling. They bring in uh, Julian Alvarez. Now, that's obviously a, a downgrade because Sterling is a great player, but I think the overall balance of those three, I think they're much better off. Now, Zinchenko's gone as well. The expectation is they'll bring in Mark Cucurella or it could be Borna Sosa. Uh, either way, that's an upgrade of a left-back over Zinchenko. So I think City have improved. I know they've sold a lot of players, but they've only sold four players that will actually matter in terms of first-team minutes, and they're going to have replaced them all. Uh, I think they've also upgraded the backup goalkeeper spot with Ortega. Um, not a big upgrade over Zach Steffen, but you know a moderate upgrade. Uh, all things considered, I just think they're going to be a better, a better squad. It is a big question mark over changing how they play to mm. uh, bring in Haaland. And uh, frankly, I, I thought Haaland looked poor in his debut. I know he scored, but he looked like a camel trying to control a tennis ball at times. Um, so, you know, there's going to be some settling in there. But overall, I, their defence is almost as good as ours. Their attack is as good as ours. And their midfield is significantly better than ours. I think City will win the league. And Chelsea, who many last season thought would be in the title race, turned out mm. not really. Um, and obviously pre-season's not gone their way and Barcelona have signed all their transfers. So how do, how do you see Chelsea's season going? Well, the bullying of Chelsea by Barcelona is a magnificent thing uh, where they've been able to pay less for Rafinha and less for Jules Koundé and less wages than Chelsea were offering. But... But they bring in Raheem Sterling. That massively upgrades their attack. There's no other way to look at that. That massively upgrades their attack. And Kaladu Koulibaly is simply a better centre-back than Antonio Rudiger or Andreas Christensen. So they do need to get another centre-back in, and they probably need one or two other bits. But I actually think they've improved this summer compared to what they had last season. Um, they'll have, you know, fully fit Reese James again. They'll have Broya back if they choose to keep him. They'll have Levi Colwell back. So their depth is going to be better. Uh, they're going to have Conor Gallagher back. So again, their midfield depth is going to be better. So overall, I do think they've improved. But I'm going to go with them to drop one position in the league to fourth. Because I think there's going to be some changes to how they play and the setup and the, the shape. I think while those things are in movement, I think they could drop a few points here and there. There'll be a gap between first and second and third and fourth, but I do think Chelsea in fourth is a fairly safe bet. I don't see any possibility of them dropping out of the top four, personally. I, I, I feel the shots fired at me there, Dave. Um, Spurs, then, I'm guessing you're going third with them. 
I'm I've got Spurs in third. Yeah. yeah, I've got Spurs in third. Conte with a full season and a preseason, which is important. Um, you look at the players coming in. Perisic is an upgrade at left wing back. Yves Basuma is a massive upgrade in midfield. Jed Spence is an upgrade at right wing back. And Richarlison is a great addition in attack in that he can cover both Son and Kane. Now, my concern with them is they haven't addressed their issues at centre-back. I know they brought in Clement Langley, but as Carl will absolutely have told you, he's just not very good. Adding to the issues at (laughs) centre-back. Yeah, they're going to, as things stand, they're starting either Eric Dyer and Ben Davies or Eric Dyer and Clement Langley. Neither of those situations is ideal. But there is still time left in the window. They are still apparently on the look for a centre-back. But it is Antonio Conte. This guy won a Premier League title playing a back three of Cesar Azpilicueta, David Luiz and Gary Cahill. True. That's not better than what he has at Spurs. Romero alone makes the Spurs defence better than those three. Um, He's got better wing-backs at Chelsea or at Spurs, rather, that he did at Chelsea. Spence is better than Victor Moses, and Perisic, Regulon, and Sessegnon are all better than Marcus Alonso. I like the midfield. I think the pairing of Basuma and Bentoncourt with um, Oli Skip and Heusberg as depth, I think that's really strong. And they're going to be really good up front. And Harry Kane is likely to play for the first half of this season and not just wander about. So I've got Spurs in third. Moving on to the other half of North London then, I obviously Lego head and stuff like that, but do, do you see them closing the gap to fourth at all? No, no, I don't, because they've got to contend with Europe this season, which they didn't last season. Last season was a perfect storm for them. Spurs were an absolute train wreck for half the season. They had Nuno Espirito Santo in charge. They sacked him. They bring in Conte. There's no consistency. There's no motivation with a lot of the players. Kane doesn't bother his arse until January. You had United as a complete dumpster fire all season long. You had Chelsea under restrictions and with chaos everywhere, not really knowing what they were doing. And then you had West Ham running out of steam in the second half of the season because they couldn't deal with Europe and the Premier League because their squad was so small. You had Arsenal with no European football having a week between games to prepare. And by prepare, of course, what I mean is Arteta travelling to Manchester and rooting through the bins outside Pep Guardiola's house looking for any scraps of paper with some tactical insight on it. And then he would come back and and try and put that into position with Arsenal. Um, Now he's going to have to cope with Europe. I think that's going to be a struggle for him. They've spent a lot of money. But I don't know that they've had anything more than a mediocre window. I mean, Fabio Vieira is very, very talented. He's a squad player. Marquinhos is a squad player. Matt Turner is a squad player. Gabriel Jesus is a starter. But I don't know how much of an upgrade he is on Lacazette. It is an upgrade. I just don't know that it's a big upgrade. I think Lacazette as an all-round player is probably better than Gabriel Jesus, but Gabriel Jesus is more of a goal threat. Um, And then Zinchenko, if he's to be the left-back, that's a downgrade from Kieran Tierney. If he's the midfielder, 
it's an upgrade on the jacket because it's granite jacket and he's crap, but it's still a question mark because he's not played in Premier League midfields a whole bunch. If he's just a squad player, then you're still starting granite jacket. You're in all likelihood still starting Ben White. You've got no depth at right back and Tommy Asu is injury prone. And you've got Ramsdale and goal who might have had a good first half the last season, but we all saw what he was in the second half of last season. I have Arsenal finishing sixth. We have the first sixth place team of the uh, made up table. Now, this should be interesting. Man United, higher or lower than Arsenal? Lower. Seventh for, for Manchester United for me. Um, don't really understand any of their business thus far. Uh, they had no need at all for a left back. You've got Luke Shaw. You've got um, Alex Tellez. Yeah. They're not ideal, but they're both good players. And in 2022, they're both better players than Malasia. Um, so I don't really understand why you'd spend that money there where you've got a screaming hole at right back. Uh, Christian Eriksen, obviously I love him as a player. I don't know where he plays because he can't play as a 10 because you've got Bruno. Are you going to play him on the wing? I mean, is that really the best use of Christian Eriksen? Does that really fit with how you want to play? Mm. He's not playing in a double pivot. So I don't really know where he plays. Um, as much as I like him, I, I don't understand that move. I think he's been kind of motivated by the money. And Lisandro Martinez, I do like. And I think if you play the back three, he could be really good on the left side of it. If you wanted him as cover, like Arsenal did, on the left side centre-back and left-back positions, if you play a defensive-minded left-back, I think that's absolutely fine. I think he could do a good job as your holding midfielder, but United apparently want him to be their starting left side centre back in a back four. And he's 5'9". And they paid well above what the odds were on him. I mean, when Arsenal were linked with him first, they bid 30, 32 million and the price was rumoured to be about 35. That's what Ajax were holding out for. And United have paid... 47 million plus add-ons. Now, I know Harry Maguire isn't perfect, but I would trust Harry Maguire more in a back four in the Premier League than I would trust Lissandra Martinez. Um, so I don't think they've improved. I don't think they've touched the midfield. They've spent uh, over a month now uh, chasing the tail on Frankie de Jong, who clearly doesn't want to go there. Like, clearly does not want to go there. If Frankie de Jong went to Manchester United, he would get 300 grand a week, which is 15 million a year on a five-year contract and a signing bonus of one year's wage because United are so desperate to get him. So that's 90 million. You add in goal bonuses and potential trophy bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. He could be getting himself a contract that guarantees him 90 million and could earn himself 100 million over five years. Instead. He wants to stay at Barcelona, take a pay cut, another pay cut, <laughs> and potentially lose out on a bunch of money. All to not go to Manchester United. So, I mean, they haven't addressed that position, the holding midfield position. They're still trying to keep Cristiano. 
Although I, I do think privately they probably want rid of him. It's just that no one wants him. So that's a saga that's going to be a distraction for the first few weeks of the season. Will he play? Because he's been on strike for preseason. Um, then you've got Anthony Martial, who apparently is back. And this is going to be his season. It's going to be the breakout year. But, I mean, like, let's be really honest about this fella. In his last two seasons of football, he scored nine goals. He's got one season in his career where in the Premier League, where he has now been a player for seven years, he scored more than 11 goals. One. Like, there's, there's just no track record with this fella that makes you think we can absolutely trust him. But you're looking for a bounce back year from him. You're looking for a bounce back year from Marcus Rashford, who Carol and Steph have talked about before, has had two fairly poor seasons, although I do think his 2021 season was largely hampered by injuries. And last season, I think he was exhausted. But still, you're going to be asking him to have a bounce back year. You're massively relying on a bounce back year for Jaden Sancho. I mean, there's just so many question marks over this team. And they're going to be looking at a massive change in how they play. I'm going to go seventh for Manchester United. Yeah, I think we all agreed on seventh there for United. I think we worded it as one step back, two steps forward potentially for them. But it might be more like three steps back and five steps forward eventually. Um, But we'll move on to some newer teams. And hello, Carl. It's been a while. (laughs) Um, We'll look at their summer business quickly and then we'll get Carl's thoughts on West Ham. Uh, So in they've got Orgard, the centre-back from Wren, Ariola on a permanent after his loan spell last season, Uh, some young lad called Patrick Kelly, Flynn Downs from Swansea, Gianluca Scamacca with the best reveal in football history. Um, And they've lost Ryan Fredericks, David Martin, Mark Noble, Andrea Yamalenko and Sonny Perkins. Carl, West Ham obviously last season had a very thin squad um, and that kind of cost them in the end. Uh, they obviously focused on the Europa League. They ended up finishing seventh, but it was ultimately a very promising season for them, but promising back-to-back seasons from them. Do, do you see them Do you see them building on, on, let's say, success of last season? To be brutally honest, it depends if they add anybody else. Um, I, I think that they were very good again last season in spells. They were quite a versatile and adaptable team. I like the fact that they can play any kind of side and have their own way of playing, which is not reliant on just being counter-attackable, not reliant on just set pieces, but they kind of have a little bit of everything going on. Uh, and I think that the, the signs that they have made kind of allude to that continuing, to be honest. I think they could really do with a bit more pace and attack, if I'm being honest, in that, mm. in that line behind the, the forwards. Uh, that's, that's a big thing. I think that they did miss at times last year. If you're trying to counter-attack with like, you know, the skeleton of what was once Manuel Lanzini. Four Niles is not exactly rapid. It's it's very, very difficult sometimes to go in into sort of counter situations or counter pressing situations. And you've only really got Bowen and Antonio when he's not got a hamstring issue. Uh, even like from midfield, Suchek, Rice, they're not fast. So they could do with a bit more there. I think that would make a big difference to them. I don't think that there's any reason at all to suspect that they'll drop off. You know, the players that they've lost are only support players at best really Mark Noble was basically a 17 minute sub last season and not all of those were particularly good 
Uh, Yarmolenko was obviously a bit more of a loss in terms of what he brought to the team, but he wasn't a regular starter or anything like that. Mm. So I, I, don't, I don't think that they're worse off this year at all. I think Ariel, if they can get him to be first choice sooner rather than later, will be a, a good thing for them. Again, being injured, obviously, already is is not good, and they'll hopefully have him back sooner rather than later, but I think he needs surgery. So it might kind of be more or less the same as it was last year because I can see Skamaka maybe takes a little bit of time to get used to what Moisey wants from him. I do want to get Dave's thoughts on the differences of Skamaka versus Allaire, who just didn't get a look in under Moyes at all because there's a few similarities between them, so I'm wondering how that's going to pan out. I do think he's a decent player, but I'm not sure that it makes a whole lot of sense in isolation if you look at the ins and outs there. Um, but I like West Ham in general, how they're set up and, and what they have the possibility to do this season. But if uh, if Aguerd is going to be out for any you know, reasonable length of time, I still think they need another centre-back. And another centre-mid would probably go a long way towards helping them not fade in the second half of the season uh, with the Europa Conference League still this year, obviously. Yeah, have you thought on Skamaka? I love him. I love him. I think he's a more aggressive player than Haller, which I think was Haller's big downfall in the Premier League. I also think when we look at Haller, how much did he play with Bowen? Not a whole bunch. So he didn't have that kind of player that he needed who'd get close to him and support him, whereas Skamaka will have that. They're also looking to bring in Philippe Kostic at the minute, who's arguably the best left-footed crosser in the world, which is going to help, something that they didn't really have when Haller was there. They didn't have the supply line that Haller needed. They didn't have the support. They just weren't as good a team either. They've taken significant steps forward. There's also the possibility to play Skimaka as one of two up front with Antonio and go with like a Twin Towers attack that will just bully people. That's an option for them. Um, I love the signing of Ariola on a permanent. I think he has to be first choice this season. There's no question he's better than Fabianski. Agard is a, a big upgrade at centre-back. The injury's tough, but Ogbonna is back. So they could use him for the first couple of months. Um, I do agree they probably could do it one more at centre-back because Issa Diop doesn't seem to have the confidence of the manager. So maybe you're better to sell him and bring someone else in, which a few West Ham fans think is what they'll do. Uh, I like Flynn Downs in midfield, but they do need one more because you look, look at last season and it was really a three-man rotation with Noble as the third one. And he was, he was garbage last season. Let's be, he was garbage the last three years, let's be fair. Downs will be an upgrade on him but I still think they need one more in midfield um, to help Rice and Suchek split the load. And I think they need a starting left-back because Aaron Cresswell, quite frankly, is just past his best. And I'm guessing should... you see Kostic as a left-winger, unless he changes to three at the back. My assumption is he'll be a left-winger. I feel like they'll play him as the left-winger, maybe Fornals as the 10, Bowen on the right, and then Skamaka up front. Um and bring and look to bring in a left back as well. Like they've been looking at David Rom, they've missed on him, but there's a few others that have been linked that are interesting. Uh, I, I just don't see Kostic as a left back. I think you'd be asking a lot of him defensively, um, and defensively, he's not great. Mm. But I like what they've done. 
Um, I think they've improved their depth a bit. Uh, they've improved their starting 11, which is important. Like if, if Skimak is the starter, Antonio's the backup. That's much better than what they had last season. It's a better starter and a better backup. Uh, Ariola as the first choice keeper is an upgrade. A guard is an upgrade and having Ogbonna as his backup going into the season is pretty strong. Um, and then you've got obviously Zuma, Dawson, who I'm not massively keen on, but had a decent season last year. I think they're going in the right direction. I think having had the season playing Premier League and Europa League, I, I think they'll be better conditioned to deal with Europe and Premier League this season. They're also in the Conference League, which is going to be easier for them. So I think we'll see more rotation, especially in the first half of the season in the group stage in Europe, which means they'll be keeping the likes of Rice and Suchek a bit, you know, a bit fitter for the Premier League. I have them fifth as things stand. And I, I, I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that pick of them at fit in fifth. I don't think they'll necessarily be all that close to Chelsea. Like I could see there been eight points between fourth and fifth, maybe even a little bit more, but I do have West Ham and fifth. I think they're a better team than both Arsenal and United. I think they've had a better summer than both Arsenal and United. And I think they've got a better manager than both Arsenal and United. So I'm going West Ham and fifth. Carl, final thoughts on West Ham and where they finish? Uh, yeah, I mean, if they add Kostic, I mean, we've done our uh, placings and predictions so far based on what's already done rather than what could happen, uh, which was obviously a big thing for both of us talking about United last time out. But mm-hmm. if they get Kostic, that's huge for them. Uh, like Dave says, there's there's not a better crosser in Europe from that side of the pitch over the last few years. His delivery is not just very good, but very consistent as well. Um, you think back to the partnerships he's had with like Andrew Silva, for example, and a couple of other forwards over the last few years. It's been Bastian Hallerbin, one of them. <laughs> yes, uh, it's been a big part of the reason why um, Eintracht have obviously have thrived and have done as well as they have done, again, in European competition as well. So that would be a really good signing. I would definitely not play him in a back four, but West Ham have switched, obviously, to play uh, three and wing backs, so we could do that. I wouldn't say it's probably the best use of him at this stage either. Uh, advancing years and all that, but in a 4-2-3-1, I would also very much like to see Antonio played a little bit deeper as the 10 behind the forward because his channel running, his ability to track back into midfield, obviously used to play much deeper as well. I think that's something that West Ham could look to utilise and then that does give you that extra bit of speed that I was talking about as well in the line of three. So that would be very, very good for them. As it is at the minute, I'm going to put them sixth. I think I went with Arsenal fifth at the minute in the last pod, so West Ham into sixth. You did go Arsenal fifth. So, yeah, I've got them sixth as well. Um, Moving on then to Leicester. I don't know why I scrolled up on the transfer thing because they have not made any transfers. (laughs) Um, They have lost Jakubovic, Daly Campbell, loads of toddlers, who cares? Um, I mean, Dave, Leicester's an odd one because we we know the Brendan Rodgers rock does set in and singing that was last year. Uh, Fafana has been linked with Chelsea in, in recent days, which would be a huge loss for Leicester, seeing as they're not looking to buy anyone. Kasper Michael was linked with, was it Nice or Ren? Nice. Was, one, was it nice. nice? It looks like that might happen as well. Yeah, so they're probably going into the season with losing a senior goalkeeper who's been there for donkey's years now, possibly their best prospect in many, many years in, in Fafana and probably their best centre-back currently. 
it just seems like a really odd summer from Leicester so far in terms of they had a really stagnant season, but they've not done anything to address it. Yeah, I just think it's bizarre. I mean, Rogers spoke about the need for a big reshuffle this summer, uh, then kind of walked that back a little bit. I don't think there's a whole lot of money to spend. They've been living outside of their means for a few years now, trying to back him. And of course, you know, back-to-back bottling of, of what were straightforward top four finishes and then last season's unmitigated mess. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about their team. I mean, James Justin, Fafana, Ricardo Pereira, you know, you're getting close to having a good back four there. I like Luke Thomas as well. Sionchu's fallen off a cliff. Johnny Evans is injury prone. They needed to bring in a centre back. They haven't done it. The Casper Schmeichel thing is, is a bit strange to me. Like he's got a year left on his deal. I don't know why you'd be letting him go for free this summer when you could just hold on to him for a year. Um, so that one's a bit odd. Has there been a falling out with Rogers? If he goes, they'll have to replace him because I don't think you're gonna trust Danny Ward. Mm-hmm. 29 to all of a sudden become a starting Premier League goalkeeper. And lost your third choice keeper there as well. And lost your third choice, yeah. exactly. In midfield, I mean, there's question marks over Tielemans. He's got a year left in his deal. Does he want to be there? Madison and Didi, they're both out in 2024. Are they there long term? I mean, there's just questions everywhere. They haven't addressed anything. So I do think there's reason to be concerned. I also think the Rodgers rot is real. He has been at Leicester longer than he was at Liverpool, uh, longer than he was at, no, not, sorry, not as long as he was at Liverpool, but the rot was absolutely in by this point at Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. He's there longer than he was at Celtic. Um, so I do think there's a real possibility that the Brendan thing is terminal. I'd be surprised if he sees out the season, in all honesty. Um, I think they'll drop a few spots from last season. I'm going to put them in 10th. And if they lose Fafana, that's their bottom half. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe the rot would set in as well. And when it does go wrong with with Rodgers, it, it, it goes extremely wrong. I mean, Carl... <clears throat> Dave's mentioned a bit of the starting eleven there. I mean, obviously a few, a lot of talented players in for Fana and, and and Justin and stuff like that. But I don't know how they'll set up. Like Rogers flip flops between a three at the back, four at the back, etc. Um, messes about with the forward line all the time in the midfield. Doesn't like Samari by the sounds of it. Tielemans wants out of the club. Um, Ndidi was injured all of last, basically all of last season. So there's a lot of question marks. I mean, how do you see them? setting up and how do you see them going uh, ahead in the season not very consistently uh, this is the thing that i've seen from rogers several times now when it does start to go a bit pear-shaped he doesn't seem to be able to settle on a system the way of playing which obviously is the the big thing that he instills at the beginning kind of disappears as well and it seems a very very difficult task for him and for his coaching staff to be able to sort of get back to the basics as we would say you know the the, the fundamentals of why they were put there in the first place they just seem to disappear uh i find it really really weird how often he has this thing as well where he'll sign a player and 12 months later has completely taken them out of his mind Mm -hmm. and ignores them to the extent of they can go we'll take a loss 
I don't care how good they were when we signed them, nothing at all. And Samari seems to be the latest one of this, which is just, oh, it's just bizarre. I mean, you consider how he played before he left Liga and, and how Leicester were trying to use him last year. There's not really a very good matchup there. He doesn't really seem to have been utilised in the best way possible. And just to basically bin him off now entirely is, it's just a very, very odd thing to do, I think. And I actually have them in 10th as well. I have them 11th. But, I mean, last question on Leicester before we go, and I'll ask it to both of you. Do you think Rodgers gets sacked this season? Yes. I think those owners are very ambitious. We saw with Claude Puel that there's no no sentiment there. They'll just move him on. They sacked Ranieri like eight months after he won them a league title. Hmm. Ranieri won a league, a Premier League title with, with Leicester City who weren't nearly as good as this Leicester City team, and they binned him out the door. I think Brendan's FA Cup win saved him last season from the sack. I don't think it saves him this season. I think it'll depend on how they start. If this is a Leicester season where they're like 15th, 16th and have to work their way up to 10th, that's quite different from like a decent start and going from 6th, 7th and having that hope of European football and then dropping mm. off later in the season. Uh, and when you look at the start that they've got, Brentford, Arsenal, Saints, Chelsea, United, Brighton, Villa. That's it's not easy. It's, the there's not really any. Bag, so yeah, yeah. There's not yeah. there's not too many teams from the bottom bit there. It's more like the teams who they are going to hope to be above or competing with, like those Arsenal, Man United games. So, if they get decent results in those ones, I think he probably does see out the season if they make a decent start. But if it is a, a difficult start and you get to sort of September, October, and they've not picked up too many wins at all. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the end of the road. Yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. Uh, Carl, I'll stick with you for Brighton. Um, Transfer-wise, Julio Ancesio, I probably said that wrong, Uh, youngster from Paraguay, I think it is. Another youngster who I think is uh, from Porto called Baker Boati. Boati, something like that. Uh, And Simon Andingra from Nordsland as well. I think they're signed Undav and a Japanese lad whose name is escaping me in January. Uh, where is he? Karu Mitomo. Um, so they have they have made signings. We obviously know they need they need goals. Um, they've not really replaced unless Mitomo's that type of player. They've not replaced Basuma yet, but they've not really added as many as I thought they would. But they have obviously got the Kukurea situation um, to deal with as well. So Brighton almost standing still. I mean, I feel like we just replay this conversation every summer with Brighton. They need a number nine. They need somebody to score them goals. They need somebody who is going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net at the end of all the lovely flowing passes. Uh, I do like, in general, how the squad is built. I think the way that they play is suited to most of the players they have. And I think a couple of players that they bought last year should go on and be even better this year. Like, you know, Mwepo, we saw in flashes last year, how good he can be. And I think it stands to reason that he becomes a bit more of an important player this year and so on. But Mm. they are still at times going like three, four matches where they play well, should take at least nine points and take maybe two, maybe five, maybe only four. And it it really does hamper you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a real hamper for them. You know, if they're trying to push on and be not just a you know a mid-table team but towards that top eight which is a, a big thing to break into at this point in the Premier League um, you need very very good players at both ends of the pitch now myself and David have obviously spoken about uh, Robert Sanchez quite a lot and 
neither of us love him to bits, but he's serviceable for them. You know, he's not any worse than what is around the teams who are around uh, Brighton in the table. So it's doable, but their forward line is lower down than the rest of them. Creativity is fine. The build-up play is fine. But, I mean, look at the goals again that they scored last season. I mean, Wolves did score fewer than them, but Wolves only scored about once every eight months last season, so they don't really count. But they scored 20 goals fewer than Leicester, who finished one point ahead of them. I mean, it, it makes a big, big difference. You know, if they could sort out that, if they could add... I don't know, maybe even another sentiment as well, but certainly a forward, someone who's going to be capable of even like 14 goals a season. It would be, it would make such a difference for them. Yeah, Dave, and you've obviously championed this on, on both this and two-footed. Uh, it seemingly, they think Undav is, is going to be the guy. I know he had a great record in, in Belgium for their sister club type thing, but that's a, that's a big leap of faith from someone who did it in Belgium. It's an enormous leap of faith. And I think it's a foolish leap of faith as well, to be quite honest. Um, going into this summer, I thought they needed five players, starting centre-back, starting midfielder to replace Basuma, a starting nine, a backup right wing-back behind Tariq Lamptey and another player in, in central defence for depth. And they've addressed none of it. Um, they brought in NC, so he looks talented, but he's a child. They brought in a Dringa. They've sent him out on loan. I just, I don't know what the plan is at Brighton. And like, they could lose Cucurella. So is, I mean, is Solly March going to remain a starter? Because if he is... Well, they're linked with that Nuno Tavares which from Arsenal. which He's just a, not good. Yeah. Like, he's just not a good player. And I, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm, like, the, the other part of this is, it's not just um, Basuma that they sold, you know? I mean, they sold Ostergaard as well, who could have been that starting centre-back. They could have just brought him back, having had him on loan the last three years, and made him the starting centre-back because he's really good. Mm. Uh, but they haven't done that. So you're going to be looking at starting Joel Veltman again, or if Cucurella stays, starting him at centre-back, rather than playing him as a left wing-back, where you get one of the best left wing-backs in the league. I get that they're being financially cautious because that's just how Brighton operate. But I, I feel like they're they're letting down Graham Potter. And I, I feel like this is why when Leicester sack Rogers or Villa sack Gerrard or Everton sack Lampard or whatever happens in those regards, when Graham Potter gets that call, because he will be top of the list for a bunch of clubs mm. when they need a manager. He's going to look at it and go, well, I've been here three years. You've never bought me the striker I wanted. Neil Mopay's left, which looks like it's going to happen because I've got Dennis really? Undav and fucking Danny Welbeck. I mean, Danny <laughs> Welbeck. Danny Welbeck is one of your starting forwards in 2022-23. Danny Welbeck hasn't been good at football in about eight years. And he's going to be your starter. It's just a disaster. I have them taking a step back. I have them finishing in 11th as things stand. Obviously, there's still time to go in the window. But for me, they're weaker in midfield. I think the defence will take a step back. You can only patch things together for so long. And not having a, 
an out-and-out goal scorer. I mean, Undav had a great season last year. I won't take that away from him. But it's not like this is some young player coming in who's got massive potential for growth. He's 26. He's close to being what he is. And, like, if we look at his career, it, I have to ask why it took him so long to get into the top flight. Last season was his first season playing in the top flight anywhere. He played in the fourth division in Germany for four years. Then he played in the third division in Germany for two years. Then the second division in Belgium. Then the first division in Belgium. And I just don't really understand how you're expecting him to step up into the Premier League and get you 14, 15, 16 goals. I just think it's an enormous ask. I'm sure he's a good player. But again, the other thing with him is he's not a line leader. Like, he's not your out-and-out centre-forward. He needs movement of players around him because he's all about movement. He's basically Neil Mopé, stylistically. He's a better finisher than Mopé, but he's Neil Mopé. And and I'm not sure he's as good a player as Mopé all around. So huge ask to get to expect him to get you the goals you need. I have them in eleventh. Yeah, Carl. I think midfield looks promising with Casado and, and Wepper, as you as you said. Um, I like the starting defence depth. Probably an issue there, unless there's some youngsters coming through that I'm not sure about. Uh, but yeah, the attack is the issue. I mean, final thoughts on them, and then where where you think they'll finish. Um, like, still a long way to go in the window, but I do think that they need to add right throughout the spine, to be fair, if they want to move up from where they were. I think if you look at what other teams around them have done, you at least need a forward and a midfielder to stay where they were, and then you probably need a, a really, really dominant defender and to replace Kugaya, his output, and probably then to get more out of Tarek Lamptey again. Um, yeah. If you want to actually move up the table, I don't think the Brighton are set to do that at the minute. I've gotten 12th, actually, so three places back. I originally had them 10th, but the more I think about it, I think they will drop off. I think Basuma was playing at such a level. I know Casado finished the season really well, but it's a big ask for him. And then, well, he'll end up playing next to Adam Lallana, let's be honest. So, same issue. Um, so I have them as 12th as well. Uh, moving on to Wolves. Carl, your least favourite team in the league that we established before we start recording. Only bought in Nathan Collins. Um, Raul Jimenez got injured in pre-season as well. That's apparently going to be about eight weeks, so that's eight games to start the season. They have no other striker as well, because Fabio Silva, their record signing, I believe, is went to Anderlecht, I think it was. So, yeah, a poor season by Wolves, because they missed out on a few midfield targets as well. Yeah, not a, not a tremendously exciting summer so far. Um I mean, they, they made Huang permanent as well, which I think was a, a good deal for them, to be fair. I do like how he started last season, although he did fade quite badly, obviously, later on. Um, they need... Oh, what do they need? They need to be a bit more interesting is what they need, because, as you just said, I'm quite frankly a bit bored of looking at this Wolves squad, and it just looks the same year after year, more or less. So, positives um Adama Traore is back and they haven't sold him yet so we'll see what happens there whether that actually turns out to be a positive I think depends on what 
system they end up playing. Um, obviously, there's been a suggestion they can go to the four. I've not seen them in preseason, so I don't know if they've been doing that in defence or not. Pedro Neto back to full fitness is a big thing for them. And who the hell knows what's going to happen with Morgan Gibbs-White because he seems to be very, very in demand everywhere except for at actually Wolves. <laughs> um, they've loaned him out and they've not really put him as a first-teamer and he's rated at like, as a £20 million sign in this summer for like Everton or Forrest or people like that who are going for him. So do they actually play these players? I mean, they, they certainly have the, the attackers to play a 4-2-3-1 and have it look quite exciting in terms of the build-up play and how fast they could be and uh, all the rest of that. But like you say, Raul Jimenez obviously hasn't quite returned the same player anyway since his big injury. And if he's out again, then you're probably relying on Huang as you start and centre forward, mm. uh, unless you want to go where Daniel Pedenz has a, a bit of a withdrawn option. But As the, as the falsest of nines. <laughs> yes, the very falsest. Um, I, I mean, I've spoken before about Pedenz. I really like him as a second forward or a, a 10 even, but you don't want to play him as your number nine. Uh, big, big thing for them this summer, obviously, is going to ensure that they do whatever is necessary to never play Patrick Catrone another minute of football ever. He was an abysmal signing at the time. He's been abysmal since then, wherever he's been, and they just need to get rid however is possible. Wolves, probably, probably have... the starting number nine at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they do that, by all means, but then I'll have to reevaluate this uh, prediction of them going back three places as well. I have them in 13th. Ooh, uh, yeah, Dave. I mean, it looks like they're relying on young players coming through that that they've already signed. That Muscara who got injured at the start of last season, um, replacing people like oh my god, what's his name? What's the Moroccan centre? Romain Sice. That's the one. So replacing him with like that Totty come come through last the second half of last season, and then players like Chiquinho who they signed in January. But yeah, it doesn't really. They missed out on Polinia, they've been linked with Mateus Nunes, it, but only got Nathan Collins. I, I mean, is is Mendes been busy it's, this January this summer? <laughs> he must be. I, I like how do you miss out on Polinia to Fulham? I, I just mm. don't understand how that happened. But look, I, I do like a whole bunch of the players here. Like I think Ray and Aitnuri Nuri's one of the best young left backs in the world. Um, I think Pedro Neto was absolutely outstanding. And if they're playing a 4-2-3-1 with Eight Nuri and Neto as the left side. That's as good as most teams have in the league, down one flank. Uh, the issue would be the other flank, where Semedo's okay, but he's out injured at the minute. And I don't really know who the right winger is going to be, unless it's going to be Adama, who just didn't seem to get on with uh, Bruno Lage last season. Maybe it's Chiquinho, but it means a big ask. Um, it's big that they've kept net, uh, kept Ruben Neves. I think that's a that's a big deal for them. But going into this window, my assumption again was that they'd stick with a back three. Though I do think a back four suits them better and suits Lage better. Um, I love the signing of Nathan Collins. I think he's a, a really good centre back, and I think people will be surprised at how good he is this season. I think Max Kilman is excellent. I'm. Looking forward to seeing what Mascara can offer because if he is as good as he looked in the brief bits I saw when he was at Atletico Nacional, then having him, Collins, and Kilman as a three could be excellent. Um, I think they probably need a one in midfield, which I think they've you know acknowledged with their pursuits of 
Paulinha and Matthias Nunes. And I wonder if they might end up with Nunes if, if we don't go in for him or if you know, a bigger club doesn't go in for him. Maybe they just get him late in the window. They should have kept Trinkiao. They could have got him on loan with a cheap option to buy. They decided not to do it. Uh, they needed a striker anyway. I mean, yeah. Raul Jimenez isn't good enough to be a starting Premier League striker now. He just isn't. They needed a striker. They haven't addressed it. Uh, they need a backup goalkeeper as well because John Ruddy left. And uh, they've got Sarkic, who's not very good, and Andreas Sondergaard, who I've never laid eyes on. Um, I think there's a lot of questions over this Wolves team. I have them taking some steps back. I don't think they'll be in any risk of relegation. I've seen a few people tout them for relegation. They'll be too good defensively to go down. Um, but I think I think 13th is, is about right. I, I think they will step back to about there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put Wolves in, in 13th. But I think they will have a top eight defensive record in the league and probably the worst attacking record in the league again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Obviously, the window's not done, but almost similarly to um, Graham Potter, if, if a job comes up, Bruno Large is going to be in the mix for, for many of them. And he may be more, well, I suppose Potter worked in Sweden. I think they'll both be open to foreign jobs as well. So mm. it's a lot of markets for them. You said 13th as well, didn't you, Carl? I just forgot to note it down. I did. Yeah. Um, on to Newcastle then, and I'll start with you, Dave. Uh, I have not been looking at the transfers. They haven't done loads, though. Uh, da, 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 da. So in Alex Murphy from Galway, Nick Pope, Matt Target, Sven Botman, and Charlie McArthur from Kilmarnock. So not, not loads. Um, it's almost sensible from them, Dave. They obviously, Sven Botman was a long-term target. They wanted him when they initially got the money. I think we'd all agree they still need more. Um, but it's all well, it's almost scarily promising from our point of view that they've not just gone mental and spent well, basically not gone and signed Neymar, for instance. Well, I think it's good for them that they haven't signed Neymar as well. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it does show restraint. They obviously they got Dan Ashworth from uh Brighton to kind of oversee things as a director of football, he's excellent, one of the best in the business. I think the signings are smart, if a little unsexy. I mean, Botman's a great signing for them, but they need another centre-back to go with him. Um, Matt Target's not an exciting left-back, but he's a solid left-back, so they had him last season. It made sense to keep him. Nick Pope is a, a decent upgrade on Dubravka. Not, again, not a spectacular signing, but a, a very solid signing. Uh, I still have them needing a starting centre-back to go with Botman, a starting defensive midfielder mm-hmm. to play with Gamerish and Jolington in the three and a starting winger to go with St. Maximum and I assume Callum Wilson. Just saying Miguel Amron scored about a hundred goals in preseason. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he has had a great preseason, but I mean, the guy Still, just hasn't delivered yeah. in the Premier League yet. So until I see that, I, you know, and I think the same goes with them. I mean, they've been linked with Diaby and a few others. Um. I think they'll be better. I do think they'll be better. I I never felt like the squad they had under Steve Bruce should have been a team nailed to the foot of the table, not winning any games anyway. I think there is talent there. I think if you can roll out Pope, 
Trippier, even Fabian Schaar, Botman, um, Target, Jolington, let's say Longstaff or, or Shelby, uh, Gomerish, Almiron, Wilson and St. Maximum. I, I, I think there's enough there. Given I see step backs for Wolves, for Brighton and for Leicester, I do think there's a, an opening for them, given the form they showed in the back half of last season. I think they could finish ninth. And like they're going to add as well, but I'm going to go ninth. Yeah, I think they'll certainly improve just by the fact they don't have Steve Bruce doing preseason, um, which obviously always helps. Um, Carl, your, your thoughts on Newcastle and this could hinge quite a bit on the remaining business they have to do. Um, I do think that if they do further business, and at the very least, I would expect them to add a wide forward, um, given what they've got there and what Eddie Howe is trying to do. But even right now, to be honest, I have Newcastle eighth. You look at the, the performances and the results that they had across the last third of last season, all of those teams around them, the Leicesters, Wolves, Palaces, um, you know, whoever else, pick, pick whoever you want. They were better than all of them, all of them. Just with those couple of signings that they made, just with being a bit more uh, organised across midfield. Obviously, they, they had relegation to fight for at the earliest point of that. But even going towards the end of the season, they still quite comfortably beat Arsenal when they played them. And I don't see that there's a massive, massive difference between, let's say, who have we already done? West Ham and Man United, let's say. We've already done that sort of top six. Last season, mm-hmm. at the end of the campaign, the big gap after Liverpool and Man City was between fifth and sixth. There was 11 points between Arsenal and Man United. Now, I would think that this year, that first big gap is going to come between the top seven and then the rest. And at the minute, I think Newcastle will be the best of the rest as it is. There's a lot to be said for continuity. Um, you know, they, they obviously got themselves a really good mindset and uh, you know, team ethic and all the rest of from the group who were involved. The one thing I would be a little bit concerned about is that last season they had to leave out a few players from the actual Premier League squad that they named for the second half of the season because of the transfers that they made. And they've not actually offloaded very many of them yet. Uh, when you consider, obviously, Botman has come in, Pope's come in, they've got to be registered. There's only a few of them have, have left who were even in that squad. So people like Dwight Gale, Isaac Hayden, you know, they're not going to make any difference whatsoever to, to the squad in terms of not being there because they didn't really contribute in the second half of last season. So they have added and they haven't offloaded. So there's still going to be a group of players there who are training and there every day knowing they're not going to be involved. So that's one minor consideration. I expect that like, a bunch of them will go on loan and all the rest of it before the end of the transfer window. But the rest of it, I think Eddie Howe is probably in a really good place right now. He's not going to be under enormous pressure to you know, immediately win a title or a trophy of any kind or get into the Champions League or anything like that. If Newcastle finish in the top half, which is only one place and two points above what they managed last season, that's already a progress season. So I think it's fairly low-key for them at the moment. The fact that they've not gone out and spent the money that you, you know, some people were suggesting that they might do, they do still have FFP considerations to take into account from not good spending in previous years, let's say. And I mean, right now it's okay because they've not got wild competition. The teams that we've already discussed, West Ham aside, we look at them as perhaps taking backward steps at the minute. and They've got more work to do. And Newcastle, at the very least, have made small steps forward. 
And like I said, at the end of last season, they were already better than these, these sides. So I don't see anything other than reasonably straightforward progress for Newcastle this season. Yeah, I have them eighth as well, almost by default, because you mentioned there, I think the teams that were around them haven't really made the progress they wanted to. So, yeah, I think they'll be ones who, who make leaps, but maybe not anywhere near the European spots um, yet. But promising for the season after. Um, on the Palace then, and, and Dave, I know you like a bit, quite a lot of their business. Um, mm. Malcolm, he, yes, <laughs> uh, from Derby, who seems to be in the first team picture already by what Vieira said. Uh, Sam Johnston on a free, not sure if he'll be the out-and-out out number one just yet, but check the Curry, I know you're a fan of, you wanted him at Liverpool uh, in a post-Chimeni world. Uh, Carmack Austin, no idea, and Chris Richards from Bayern Munich got confirmed yesterday, I believe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Crystal Palace almost feels like they're just steadily progressing after a lot of upheaval last season. I think they've had an absolutely excellent window so far. still think they've got a bit more to do. Um, I think Johnson's an upgrade in goal. He's not a great goalkeeper, but I think he's an upgrade in goal. Ibue is going to be another really exciting option for them in, in the attack. Uh, I think Decore is one of the signings of the summer. I think he's absolutely perfect for what they want to do. And Chris Richards, I mean, they were crying out for a, a quality third centre-back, and I think they got him in Chris Richards. Uh, still think they need a right back, still think they need one more in midfield, and I still think they could do with another backup centre-back, maybe someone with a bit of experience, someone a bit of an older head. Um, but I love what they've done. I think you get Eze back fully fit now, as opposed to last season when he was coming off the Achilles tear. I think that's a big plus. You get a second season Odson Edward. I think he'll take a step forward. Michael Elise should play a lot more this season. I think he's one of the most exciting players in the league. I think Mark Wehi will take another step forward. I think he was absolutely tremendous last season. The partnership with him and Anderson is one of the best in the league. Mitchell, I expect to take a step forward at left back as well. I think he's very, very good. I have Crystal Palace finishing eighth. I really like Ooh. this team. I really like this team. I think there's a lot of talent here. I think they're really hard to beat. I think they've got all the creativity you need. And if Eduard and Mateta and Zaha can put the ball in the net often enough, I think they're going to finish eighth. I would prefer this team to Newcastle's team as a starting 11. I also think they've got some really interesting depth pieces, some really interesting young players. I have them in eighth. I think this is a really good team. I actually have them in ninth. So, yes, it's almost similar progress. I and, mean, Carl, your, your thoughts on where, on where they'll finish? I have them ninth as well. Yeah, um, another season of really good progress. The only real question marks I have at this point is that it is quite a young group being put together, which, while that's really good and exciting for their future, and obviously everything there is positive about it, there will come a few games where either a few of them don't have the best form or you know they come up against a bit of a setback in a couple of matches and they find it a bit more difficult to uh, to react to and overcome and you're going to be looking at people then like Joachim Anderson probably maybe Waidu if he's still involved 
Uh, and presumably somewhere along the line, somebody out of Milivojevic or MacArthur or whoever it is, is still going to be there or thereabouts in midfield. Those mm. players would then really have to step up and sort of you know, help the younger players through them because as absolutely fun as it's going to be watching people like Michael Lees and all the rest of them rip it up at times this season, they've not really had to have in their careers as yet that period where you're under scrutiny. Now you have to actually perform every week. It's not about you being one of the best players in the second tier. This is, you have to be on it every single game, every single minute, performing at every single ground that you play at against every type of opponent and all the rest of it. It's a tough thing to do. Now, they definitely have the talent, no question, but with all young players, it, it has to be a learning curve. You only got to look at people like Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, we've seen him have really difficult games and it's about who you have around you to help you through it, the trust from the manager and all the rest of it. So it will happen to these Palace players at certain stages of the season. And I wonder whether it's not quite the number of very strong characters of the senior players. I wouldn't really look at Ayu and Benteke as that kind of character. Maybe they are behind closed doors, but they don't come across that way on the pitch, for example. Um, Wilf Zaha, another one. I don't really think he's a a leader because of the way that he reacts when he has you know, difficult periods or things go against him in the games. I think he's one who actually needs to be calmed down rather than someone who's going to be doing that for other people. So Vieira's got a big job on to, to manage that side of the team. But as for the actual team building that they've done, the recruitment over the last season and a bit, unbelievable. Really, really good. I love Cheikh Dekoury. I think he's a great player. And if they persist with a, a two-man midfield and two wide forwards and two forwards basically through the middle... Takura is one of the best that they could have got for that. It's obviously going to be a big thing of who they partner him with, uh, and they have played three in midfield plenty of times. So guessing Will Hughes, anyway. unless they add someone. Hughes is the best fit at the minute because he's the best runner. But I mean, that's a pretty easy upgrade, isn't it? If you're if yeah. you're looking at two or three seasons to come, and you want a very very strong, powerful runner, but who can play the ball a little bit and support from a little bit further upfield as well. You could pick about 50 players better. Than I was listening players. to a podcast the other day saying Eze might be in midfield. Obviously, they're probably need a hold in a better hold. In if midfield, it's a three, I think Eze yeah. plays Eze, in yeah. midfield. Yeah, um, exactly. Eze, Dekure plus one is is the three. Would and it be then... MacArthur for now? It could be MacArthur. It could be Milivojevic. Um, if they want to play Dekure, maybe is a bit more of an eight. Uh, it could be Will Hughes. They've got options. I, I do think they need one more in midfield, a starter in midfield to go with um, with Dekure and Eze, someone to be that sort of in-between player. And then that gives you Elise, Zaha and Eduard as a front three, which could be very, very exciting. Um, right back is the biggest concern for me, though, because Joel Ward looked washed last season and the other options, Nathaniel Klein. Now, if Nathan Ferguson can ever get fit, it could be him. But, I mean... He doesn't the, exist. The young fella has just had the worst luck. He, he, in his career, has played 22 games and only one of them has come in the last two and a half seasons. So, he's just been very, very unfortunate with injuries. But he's very, very talented. Um. I, I do agree with Carl that the, the one doubt about this group is the lack of experienced leaders. It, it will take the likes of Milivojevic and MacArthur, who aren't going to be starters, to really embrace that leadership role, to become almost like assistant coaches and really start to talk people through games from the bench, 
James Tompkins, I think, can can slot in there as well into that sort of role. Like there's a good balance of experience and youth because you've still got Gaeta, you've still got Jeff Schlupp, um, Benteke, AAU, those kind of players. But as Carl said, they, they've never really shown leadership on the pitch. They're probably quite good off the pitch and can guide players off the pitch. But I also think, I think when you get outside the top six or seven, the European spots, inconsistency is just part of what it is to be a club in that eighth and below kind of range. So we'll expect that they will be inconsistent at some point. I just think the talent is more reliable than the talent at any other club outside of the top seven. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think just the backbone of the team as well with Gehi and Anderson, I think it's just really good base to build mm. from. So, yeah. Uh, I know Carl only has about 10 minutes left, so we'll try and do these next two quickly. And it's only two because Carl insisted on having Aston Villa on this podcast for some reason. But we'll do Brentford, and I will start with you, Dave. Uh, Max Dickov in, Max Wilcox in, Aaron Hickey in, Keen Lewis Potter, most touring name in the world in. Kyrie Lisby, Thomas Trescosa, I can't say his name, what the hell did I say there? I will move on. Uh, Yamo Leuk and Ben Mee in. Um, and only person of note they've lost is Christian Eriksen, really. Um, mm. Second season syndrome and all that jazz, but I think if they finish outside of a relegation scrap, I think that's another successful season. So I have them 14th. Yeah, I think I think staying in the division is all that really matters. Um, is all that really matters for Brentford. I nothing else concerns me. Just stay in the division. I love Aaron Hickey. I'm not a hundred percent certain about Aaron Hickey as a right back because he's he's a left back, uh, but he is a two footed player, so he should be able to do a very good job there. Uh, Keen Lewis Potter, second most Tory name there. Let's let's not take Kiernan Dewsbury Hall's. Uh, oh, away from. Yes, of course. Um, but he's a very good player. Strakosha, if he can rediscover his form, he can absolutely be the starting goalkeeper. Um, Yarmuluk, talented, but I, I, as far as I know, he's been largely signed to play for the for the B team this season. And Ben Mee is a good addition at centre back. I mean, he's I like Ben Mee. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he can either be a starter or he can be depth. I still think they need a bit more. I still think they could do with another wing back depth. Um, I still think they need a starting midfielder to replace Ericsson, and maybe one more at centre back because they did lose a couple. They lost Sanke, they lost Janvier, um, and like a couple that were there last season just weren't good enough, like Charlie Good. So definitely one more there. Um, I have them finishing 16th. Right, okay. But I think they, like like I say, all I think they need to do, all I think they need to do to concern themselves with is stay up. But nothing else matters. Just stay in the division. And I think they'll do that. So I've got them 16th. 16th. Uh, Carl, yeah. I think Ericsson is the key because when he got settled in, he... Basically saved them from from getting dragged into a relegation scrap. Obviously, David Raya came back at that time. I know some people have mentioned Josh De Silva might get a run out after his um, injury issues. He might um, fix some of that creative uh, balance in midfield. But yeah, what what do you think of Brentford for next season? 
Um, so I actually completely missed the uh, Thomas Strakosha deal uh, until about two days ago. So I didn't even. Because you went on twelve holidays. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a much needed uh, break. You know, I can't do this once I'm director of football somewhere. Obviously, but for now, it's completely fine to miss out that one of the best goalkeepers in Europe two years ago were moved to the Premier League. That's that's fine. Um, if he gets back to his nineteen twenty form, he is, I would say, top six goalkeeper in the Premier League. That simple. But he has had a bad two years. Uh, he lost his place a couple of seasons ago. He had a couple of injuries. He was back in and out last year, but not very good, not very consistent at all. Um, he's 27. I mean, it's not old. It's not It's not even really what you'd say is approach and peak for a goalkeeper's uh, understanding, positional play and all the rest of it. But I do really like Strakosha. I liked him quite a lot with uh, uh, with Lazio beforehand, to be honest. So I'm hopeful that he gets uh, back to the levels that he's capable of. I'm not the biggest fan of David Raya at all, to be fair. So, I, again, I do think that that is the possibility of being a big upgrade for for Brentford. Um, Aaron Hickey, if he goes in on the right-hand side of that um, of the wing-backs, then, as I've said several times before, not playing Roslev is the biggest bonus anybody could ask for. Mm. Uh, I, I will stick with that. Um, I don't really know where they go here. I mean, I do think it's... a a decent addition to have Ben Mee just like in the middle of the back three, maybe just as you're, you're clearing one and getting rid and all the rest of it. I think that's absolutely fine. Free transfers. Some people saying there. they might play four at the back a bit more as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's again, another step forward. And if that's the case, it's open, isn't it? To, to how well they adjust and how well they do, because I think the midfield probably struggled last year because of um, the system that they played. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Vitaly Janel was really good for a while, but a couple of the others who came in and out of the team, not so much. But then on the other hand, you've got people like Johan uh, Wissa, Sergio Camus, even at the beginning of the season, if they were playing a 4-2-3-1 or something similar to that, would they have done as well as they did? I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure. I think that they were probably beneficiaries of the system. Um, so there's there's... Lots of reasons to watch Brentford this year just because of how interesting, how different it could look to last year. I've got to be honest and say the man with the three surnames. Um, I, I didn't really watch very much of Hull last year at all. So I'm keen to see how he does. Keen, Lewis and Potter, all three of them. And I don't really know where they could go in terms of how high up the table. I think if they even managed to get as high as they did last season, I think that's probably an overachievement again. Um but a lot of last year was down to a really good start to the season. You know, there's a lot of energy last year at the beginning of the start. Uh, sorry, at the beginning of the season, especially at home. Um, Brentford Community Stadium is a mad, mad place to be in. And that's obviously going to be a big thing for them again this season. You look at their home record, seven wins from the 19 games. Away from home, they only won six, but that was better than most teams in the league last season. Not not too many of them managed to, to pick up half a dozen wins on the road. So... Like I say, they're going to be an interesting one. I do think they'll step back a little bit just because other teams below them probably have a bit more spending power and they brought in a few more established signings. But I do still have them in 15th. I think they should be more or less fine. Yeah, I certainly think there's three worse teams than Brentford, even if second season thing is really real. But I think they've invested quite well, to be fair to them. Uh Carl, I'll stick with you, seeing as you insisted on putting these in the uh, podcast, just to our even numbers. But Aston Villa, uh, where is my fo- uh, signings tab? Coutinho in, Kamara in, Diego Carlos in, Robin Olsen in as backup goalkeeper, Rory Wilson from Rangers, I'm guessing he's a youngster, and Lud- Ludwig Augustin 
Augustinson, I can't say his bloody name, um, in as backup left back, so that means less Ashley Cole, and they've not really lost anyone of note other than I think Wesley was their record signing at some point. He's on another loan. Um, Trezeguet, Matt Target, yada yada yada. Who cares? Um, but Villa, I feel like this goes two ways. It either goes really well and Gerard really progresses as a coach and the team clicks, or Gerard sacked by the World Cup, and it goes terribly. <laughs> um, I mean, Villa are a very demanding club, so it could actually be both of those things, that they do well, improve true, yeah. they go higher than last season, but he still gets the boot because it's not enough. Uh, two really, really important things that Aston Villa have done this year, this summer. One is to offload Lovra Kalinic because that club had more goalkeepers on their books than should ever be allowed for mm. one professional club. Um, so good to see them slimming down the options Do they still there. have Nyland? No, I think Oi Nyland's gone. Ah, oh, what a legend. Yeah, he's, he's uh, in the wind, I believe. The only um, person who defeated goal line technology. <laughs> the other thing that they've done is actually a much more recent thing. Um, I think it was only yesterday it was confirmed, but Tyrone Mings has been stripped of yes. the captaincy. So I think that this is quite obviously a precursor to you're not playing anymore, mate. Uh, it's it's a much easier thing to do when he's not the captain. Um, new skipper is going to be John McGinn for anybody who hasn't seen. So I think that that's probably speaks volumes to what Gerard is looking for in defence, and that is to be better. Probably uh, more interesting. He's not even the vice captain as well. I think that was Martin as he got made vice captain, wasn't it? Yeah, and actually Young yeah. was club captain, which I can see the logic in in taking away the team captaincy. I think when you strip him of the captaincy altogether, I think you've gone a step too far. And I think he might have just created himself a major problem in that dressing room because Tyron Mings is a very influential player. He's also an England regular in the squad. And if he starts to voice his disapproval, I think it could go badly for Jared. I don't think Jared has handled a couple of big decisions this summer well. Don't think he's done well with the Chuck Wemeka thing. And I think he's just handled this badly. Why is he waited? until 10 days before the start of the season to do this. This should have been done in mm. June, not now. To be fair, it might have been, but it might have just been public release now. Possibly. Mings was wearing the captain's armband oh. in pre-season. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yes, that's a bit dumb. Well, Carl, do you want to go back on what you were saying? Uh, well, no, I mean, in terms of captaincy, I mean, Gerard's been there. The other side of the equation, obviously, when when he was at Liverpool and took it off Sammy Hoopier, so I presume he would have been party to discussions, or at least know what Jared Julia told Sammy Hoopier at the time, for example, and know how Sammy would react. And there was the whole thing about wanting him to focus a bit more on his game rather than having to lead the team. So maybe something like that has been said by Jared. You know, we need you to focus on being the best defender you can and not have to worry about all the rest of the players concentrate on your own game. Sammy at the time was going through a bit of a t- difficult spell, obviously. So no comparison between the defenders. I'm just saying, you know, as a manager, you need mm. to have something to tell the player that you're taking it off. So maybe it's something along those lines. Um, if Mings causes a problem, I mean, the very, very easy thing to do here is show him a video highlights reel of what he did last season. Because you know what? He was a shambles. He was an absolute <laughs> and the season train wreck. before. <laughs> yeah. And the season so, before. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick, obviously, without knowing anything from the inside, I'm going to stick in Gerard's corner here. It had to be done. You know, there had to be a way to do it. And maybe the timing could be better. Maybe the reasoning could be better. But it's really difficult to know that without obviously being on the inside of that. Obviously, the one downside here is that 
it looks like Diego Carlos Diego yeah, Diego Carlos is going to be the one who basically has to be a lot better than Tyron Mings was. And as I've said before, I have my very, very big doubts about him. He's not an elite level defender. Probably Villa couldn't have got an elite level defender this year anyway, but is he even a big, big upgrade? It's all about the partnership. And last season, obviously, Konza didn't have the best of years ever. Uh, I can't imagine Diego Carlos was sold Aston Villa on the idea of partnering Courtney Horser or someone like that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how they go. Remember, it's we'll outside the foot pass, lads. That was saucy. <laughs> Dave, do you know has Kamara been playing defensive mid or centre back during preseason at all? Defensive mid for the most part. Okay, um, so I mean, this is but the this issue is Cons has missed preseason because he's been injured. He was on the so, bench actually the other day. So he I don't was, think yeah, he hasn't. I don't think he's really trained yet. So like, right, we okay. haven't, they haven't had the chance to because Cons and Carlos make sense as the pairing. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just they haven't had the opportunity to play together yet. So Mings will likely start the season. Um. So my, my my thing about I agree it had to be done. Like I'd I'd have been trying to sell him this summer. I think you'd have found a sucker that would have bought him. Oh. But if yeah, exactly. Like some new stupid club, you might have even convinced Scotty Tucolts to take him down at, at Bournemouth. But if he starts the season and say he starts the season playing well, he's still tiring Mings. You still want him out of your team. So it's you know it's when he goes out of the team, like with Sammy. Julier could tell him, look, you're still my best centre-back by a mile, so you're still going to be in the team every week with, with Mings. If he's made him the promise that you're still going to be in the team every week and then he drops him, I think that's where the problems will start. I, I like their business. You know, I, I think keeping Coutinho was smart. I agree with Carl on Carlos. I, he's, he's good. He's not very good. He's rash. He's error-prone. Loves to drag hold of a jersey. Um, the Kamara signing, great. I think the uh, Augustinson signing is clever as a backup left back. Robin Olsen makes sense to keep him. If they have targeted the positions of need, they still need a backup right back, though maybe that's Ashley Young this season, uh, which isn't ideal, but you know, it is what it is. I, I still think they need one up front because I, I just don't know where the goals come from. Ollie Watkins is a good player, he's not a Great goal scorer. Um, I have them in twelfth, and I I think that's problematic for Gerard because I think his mandate this season is going to be top half. He said himself, I, it's seventh. Yeah, I just I, yeah. I mean I just don't see it. Seventh is Europe. Mm-hmm. Seventh is a European position, and I just don't see it. I, I think there's eleven teams quite clearly better than them as things stand. Now, if they were to go out tomorrow and buy Ivan Tony and land him in this team as their new number nine. I think that could change everything for them. But I just don't see it with them right now. I think 12th is about the, the highest I can push them. I have them 10th basically by default because I haven't pre-planned my table. Um, but, Carl, where do you have them? Right, between the two of you, I have them in 11th. I think, it, again, 7th is way beyond the stretch of what they've got at the minute. Um they need at least three of those players from last season to have enormously improved season, mm. starting with Leon Bailey. You know, they need to find a role for him if they believe that he's capable of whatever it is that they believe he's capable of. Again, he's another one who I've never been that high on. Um, talented on the ball, but productivity, work rate off it, tactical. Yeah. 
versatility, not for me. I don't really like Leon Bailey that much. But if they think that he is, you know, one of the ones who's capable of being a top six, top seven sort of player, you've got to find the role for him. Um, whether it's a 4-3-1 and he's just on the left and Coutinho is the 10, but then you've got to get everything out of Coutinho and everything has to go through him in terms of uh, your central mid build-up play, then you've got to be able to have a double pivot midfield who can support him and not let him have to do so much. Or is he going to be an eight and it's going to be Kamara as the six? There's got to be a bit more tactical cohesion and consistency, I think, to Villa this year. I really liked it when they played the diamond at times last year. And I mm. think that that's probably one of the things that benefits um, Danny Ings a little bit better as well. If you've got Watkins running the channel and Ings can just be the nine as such, and then you've got Coutinho behind, but then you're, where do you play Emi Wendia? Where do you play Leon Bailey? They don't that's fit the in thing. those roles. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a quite unbalanced top third of the team, I think at the minute. And yeah, I really struggled to see Gerard getting them let's say beyond 10th because they could Leicester Villa all of those teams are going to be within a few points of each other but they need a young player like say Cameron Archer to do what Ramsey did for them last season and come out of nowhere kick on Mm -hmm. and make a big impact because like it is it's very unbalanced up front it's quite inconsistent up front I mean Watkins is inconsistent Ings is inconsistent the reason Coutinho is at Aston Villa is because he's been inconsistent now for four years um Buendia is inconsistent Bertrand Traore is inconsistent Leon Bailey is inconsistent like this is the issue with them is that they're just a very inconsistent group of players even in that midfield I mean John McGinn I think he's one of the most overrated players in the league uh Douglas Louise he's massively inconsistent mm-hmm. Morgan Sanson is inconsistent I mean I just I I don't know that Gerard knows his best 11 right now which is a little bit concerning to me now maybe he does maybe he has it in his head what his 11 is but well, from what I've seen of their preseason I'm not sure he does and if he goes with Carlos and Mings as a centre-back pairing I, I think he's asking for trouble yeah, should be should be fun. I mean, last question before we go. I know you're in, in a bit of a rush there, Carl. Gerard finished the season as manager. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I think you'll get the the campaign, but if it is a a mid table tenth, eleventh, twelfth kind of anonymous points haul, that'll be it. Interesting, Dave. I'm going to say no. I don't think you'll see out the season. I think the loss of Michael Beale is massive. Yeah, um, I, I, I haven't been impressed with them tactically in preseason. I know they brought in Neil Critchley, but I haven't been impressed with them at all in preseason. Um, I, I, Gerard as a manager doesn't impress me. I know he had one good season at Rangers, but he also had two bad seasons at Rangers, uh, where he spent like think about at Rangers he spent more money than the entire rest of the league combined, including Celtic. His wage bill was higher than the entire rest of the league. Not just the entire rest of the league, the entire rest of Scottish football combined bar Celtic. Um, I, I just, I don't see it with him. Um, I hope he does well, but I don't see it. And like the elephant in the room here is Pochettino was sitting out there. You've got owners that are massively ambitious, who've got a track record of firing managers and coaches in other sports who are doing really well. Like the Milwaukee Bucks team, if they hadn't won the NBA title last year, Mike Budenholzer was getting sacked. If they didn't win 
the Eastern Conference. He was getting sacked. That was common knowledge. He won it. He won the titles. He got to keep his job. And he's one of the best coaches in the league. Gerard isn't one of the best coaches in the Premier League. It wouldn't surprise me if they're struggling in the first half of the season and we get to the World Cup break. It wouldn't surprise me if the first game after the World Cup, Pochettino stood in the Villa dugout. And I think Villa are the type of club that Pochettino would be enticed too because they are a big club they do have a lot of history they've got a great academy a lot of good young players there'll be money to spend i just similar to southampton when he went there yeah but but, but a bigger club i think bigger, similar yeah. to spurs similar to spurs they're they're as big a club as spurs there's more money to spend than spurs they don't have a cane but spurs didn't have the harry kane we know now before pochettino either so I, it wouldn't surprise me if Gerard doesn't see the season out, which would be a shame. But I think Villa are really, really ambitious, and if he doesn't deliver this season, I don't think they'll be too long in moving him out. Yeah, it's certainly a, a, an important season for Gerard. Um, but we will finish up there. We won't recap the table because I have noted it very messily, so I will make a proper graphic probably after we do the whole table, and I will put them in Discord and social media. Etc. But that is it from us on AI Scouted. We'll have the uh, relegation fodder later in the week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds. And it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.